Listener Production. So we're currently experiencing a pandemic and it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. People are being hit, people are losing their jobs. There's all sorts of horrible things happening. For the fortunate few, some of us are able to work from home. But with that comes a huge increase in hacking. You're exposing your organisation because the same controls that are at your office aren't there for you at home. And that leads to a lot of opportunity for hackers. So I want everyone to think hacker. So if you were a hacker and you'd lost your job, you need to turn to crime, and traditionally that might have been stealing from a shop or something like that, now we have this whole new digital landscape in front of us, and crime might be actually downloading some malware and sending it out to your contacts list, as horrible as that might sound. But unfortunately, in countries unlike Australia that don't have that social safety net, we're seeing a huge increase in attacks from countries like South Africa, from India, from China, a six-fold increase in social engineering attacks on people who are working at home because they really, I guess, have no other choice. But the other thing we're seeing is we're also seeing these opportunistic hackers. And these are probably more the evil hackers, so to speak, the organisational hackers. These guys are targeting hospitals. The people that are looking after your grandparents, your children, your mothers and fathers, and they're sending ransomware to these hospitals and basically having them pay millions of dollars just to be able to operate as normal. And the way they're doing this is they're targeting the administrative staff that are working from home right now that are still supporting the hospitals, which is horrible. Hey guys, Bastian Treptel here, Cyber Hacker, joining you in isolation today. So it's just you and me. And we're going to cover off some of the points today of why you're at risk, what could happen to you, who is actually doing these things to you, and some of the tools that you've been using at home and how they can be a big risk to you. So let's cover it off. First of all, who? We talked about a little bit in the intro. You've got all these people who have lost their jobs. And hacking these days is so easy. You don't need to be the coding guy like we've covered in other episodes. You can literally go and download these tools off the internet and turn to cybercrime. And we've seen a massive increase since this pandemic started of people turning to cybercrime. So there's those two components. There's people who have lost their jobs and they don't have a safety net like we have in Australia and they've actually turned to cybercrime to make ends meet. And the other people we've talked about is those really evil organisations that are kicking people when they're already down. And unfortunately, they're targeting hospitals. They're targeting people working from home. They're targeting organisations just like you work for to put money in their back pocket. And it's a horrible thing. And what I want to do today is get some information out that you need right now to make sure that you're going to stay safe while you're working from home. The first thing that's happened is employers, businesses, organizations can't have their employers in the office anymore. And what's happened is you guys have all been told to work from home. A lot of the time, organizations aren't putting the thought into the security measures. It's just about business as usual, how to get you guys working and making the wheel spin for your organization. Unfortunately, they haven't really thought about security a lot of the time, and that as a hacker, such as what I used to be, allows for a huge opportunistic hit. So let's talk about why you're at risk. You're sitting at home, and maybe for the first few days it was pretty fun for all of us, but I'm sure we're getting sick of it now. But we're using all these applications, we're using VPNs, we're using these tools to connect to your workplace and get it done. As a hacker, I see that as an opportunity. All those controls that are normally in place aren't protecting you right now. I could do the traditional attacks. Now, we've seen a six-fold increase in social engineering attacks. That's phishing emails where people send emails and they don't come from the person you think they are and they're asking you for information. 
we've seen an increase in phone calls. People ringing up and pretending to be your organization's IT department and asking for information. Now, I know I harp on about this a lot, but never, ever give your password over the phone or never give any kind of information via email. It's really important. We've actually seen in the last few weeks, unfortunately, more than 10 organizations in Australia that have come to us personally for help who have given that information online or via an email or over the phone, and they've come to work on Monday or come to work from home on Monday and no work was able to be done. And unfortunately, a couple of these organizations are no longer with us. They've gone into administration. The reason being is once you give out that password, you're the frontline worker, people will essentially gain access to your network and then they can start doing things like ransomware. They can start doing things like pulling data out. They can start doing things like figuring out where the money is and how money flows around. A lot of you right now have changed your process for invoicing or invoicing approvals. They are things that hackers look for. And if you give out that information, they've got access to that and then you're basically in their hands. So let's talk about a really interesting tool that we all use now for meetings. And we're going to use Zoom, but it applies to all of them, whether it be Microsoft Teams or WhatsApp or whatever it might be. You might have seen recently Hamish from Hamish and Andy doing something really funny and he was bombing, what we call bombing, people's Zoom calls. And it's really funny, right? Like, okay, you join in, but he's actually managed to get into some pretty secret conversations. Now, it seems innocent, but people are publishing their Zoom IDs online in their emails and there's no password protection. Now, if I'm a hacker and I want to target an organization, let's listen to what they're talking about. Let's jump in on these meetings. A lot of the times people won't even notice. A really important feature that Zoom has just enabled is having a waiting room. So an administrator for the call will actually click to let people into the meeting. You also should have a fairly complex password to let people in the meeting. Something that's easy to remember, something that's easy to type. But right now, Zoom's going through a whole heap of change and they've learnt the lesson the hard way and organisations have had some pretty horrible things happen to them, such as we had some fairly racist people join a phone call and it hugely affected the reputation of the organisation that had been bombed. The other problem is once you've got your Zoom ID and if you use the same password for everything else, there's also a vulnerability for sale right now on the darknet for $500,000, whether it be your usernames and passwords or a way to use a Zoom app to get information from your business. So if you've got that Zoom app installed on your computer, you then have what's called a zero-day exploit. Someone might have paid for this, and then they can access all your businesses. Now, Zoom's already addressed this, so hopefully it's no longer an issue. But these are some of the things you've got to think about as an organization before you just start letting people use all these collaboration tools. And Zoom's great. But look for some of those features. And the features that you need is a way to let people into a meeting, a way to password protect meetings. Please don't publish your meeting IDs publicly. You will end up with someone that you don't want on your call, which could be hopefully funny, but could also be very detrimental. So there's some of the things we need to think about. The other thing that we're seeing is we need to harden our staff to social engineering attacks. What I mean by that is you as a business, you as a person need to educate yourselves into what is normal behavior. The IT department should never be ringing you up and asking you for username and password. They should already have a way to remote into your machine. No one will ever ring you up and ask you for banking details, for personal information, anything like that. And if they ever do, ask them where they're from, jump onto Google, look up the company. If it's a reputable company and you do want to talk to them, call them back on that number. In these times, they will 100% understand and that'll put a safeguard measure between you and these hackers that are attacking you left, right, and center. 
Okay, for all you business owners out there, we've actually got a checklist that we'll link in the bottom of this podcast. You can download and make sure you're covering off these points that you need to make sure you've got done to make sure your staff are working home safely. Just as a a high level list, you need to make sure that the applications you're using are secure and reputable. You need to make sure that you've got a policy. Sit down with your policy writers and go, okay, this is what we expect our staff to do from home. This is what we expect them to use. And it throws up all these really interesting questions. Like people are going to be using their own computers a lot of the time to connect in. We call that bring your own device. We need a policy. We need a way to secure those things. You need endpoint protection on every device that's connecting into your network. That's basically going to keep you safe. We would recommend using a remote access system such as Citrix or a VPN system. You need to make sure those things happen before your staff go and work from home. Do a one-hour call on a secure collaboration portal and train them on some social engineering stuff. They are going to be facing these attacks. The stats at the moment are showing one in three people in Australia are experiencing some kind of social engineering attack. So if you've got a staff member, or if you've got a hundred staff member, do this training with them because some of those staff are going to be hit with those types of attacks during this pandemic. Now, let's talk a little bit about the future state of tech. So there's all these great technologies that are going to help you secure your business, help you collaborate better, help you do all these fantastic things, but you must make sure that they're set up correctly. Let's have a little bit of fun now. I'm going to cover off two types of hackers. First of all, I'm going to be the opportunistic hacker. I need some money to put food on the table for my family. Now, first thing I would do is go and find a target organization or a few target organizations. And you might think, well, I'm just an employer, but I'm going to go after you. If you are the weak point in that organization, you listening to this podcast are my target. If I can find out information about you online, about your job role on LinkedIn, about where you live, about what your favorite things to do, who your IT department is, then I'm going to start to write down a list of all these attributes that I know about you. And it might just be a simple phone call. Maybe I'll start off as a survey. Hey, Greg. How you doing, mate? It's uh, Stephen here from the IT department. We're just doing a bit of survey about working from home. We want to find out how you're doing with it. Now, these questions are going to start off very lightweight, very how are you coping? Is it okay? Is your work environment doing okay? How are you doing mentally? And then I'm going to weave in some little things in here. Mate, we just need to make sure that you've got a secure password. Can you let us know what it is? And I'll tell you if that complies with our current IT policy at the organization, because we might need to get you to change that. People, after they have answered a whole heap of questions and I've built trust, tend to answer these things. Once I've got your password, I'm now logging into your organization as you. I'm now sending emails around the organization as you. The next thing I need is I need someone to blame. I need to open up a bank account. I need to open up some crypto wallets. You, unfortunately, Greg, are now my sheep that's going to cop all of this. So I've jumped into your organization. I figured out how to get an invoice raised by payroll, approved by you, sent to your bank account. This is not going to be fantastic for you moving forward. You're probably going to get the police to knock on your door in a few days. So that's just like the opportunistic way of hacking, not even really using any skills other than just a phone call. The other type is these evil organizations, and they'll probably be a little bit more funded. They'll go onto the dark web, 
they'll do something like we talked about, say downloading this new Zoom tool. And for people who haven't updated Zoom, boom, you're a target. Once I've got access to Zoom, if you've got that installed on your organization, I can then get access to your enterprise credentials. Once I've got that, probably my best call to call is to infect your entire environment with ransomware. Now, I'm a pretty clever guy. I will have done this to your backups. I will have done this to your servers. I will have done this to your cloud environments. And you ain't working on Monday. You won't know this is happening because I'll do this in the background. Now, this has happened so many times in Australia. Even in the last two weeks, we've seen 10 organizations have this happen to them. Once you're completely infected, there really is no recourse for action other than to try and find offline backups or pay the ransom. And sometimes these ransoms are worth millions of dollars. And the really crappy thing is, a lot of the time, these servers who issue the keys so you can get your data back are getting shut down by law enforcement. You don't get your key. You don't get your data back. You're screwed. You're essentially trying to rebuild an organization from what you can remember in your head. And we recently had a winery in Australia. and uh, I won't mention their name. They had ransomware. These guys are salt of the earth kind of people. They see IT and computers as something they had forced into, but they sell wine all over Australia and they're at risk of getting a fine with GDPR, which would end them. And GDPR is the, the European data regulation stuff we've talked about in previous podcasts. They don't really have any options. Their, their option is to, to pay this ransom, which is in the order of millions of dollars, or to shut up shop. And that's a horrible thing for a business that's been around for 150 years, that this pandemic's caused this thing to happen, and now they may not be around next year. So that gives you the two examples. Now, I wanted to like segue off into something that's really interesting for me at the moment. If I was also a hacker, I'd be paying close attention to this new government app. And I, I want to preface this. I completely support any tool that is going to help the Australian public limit the effects of this pandemic and stop people dying. But it's also really interesting to think about the implications as a hacker. So we're suddenly going to have this data and Thanks to some laws that were passed a few years ago, the government's going to have information ability, also the information to track where we've been over the last two years and where we are right now live. And that's fantastic from a pandemic point of view. If we've had someone come in from overseas and we've spent more than 15 minutes in close proximity with that person, we'll alert you to self-isolate. And it's really a powerful tool for the government to stop this pandemic from spreading and enable us to stop social distancing, which would be great so I can get some guests into the podcast. <laughs> But as a hacker, think about that. I can tell the patterns of when you're home. I can then go and steal your car. I can tell when your children go to school. I can tell when you're at the office. I can tell when you're not at the office. When you couple this data set with machine learning, it would give a criminal organization everything they would need to really run rife here. Everything from simple petty crime to information such as where you live, because obviously the data is going to show where you spend most of your times at night. So suddenly I have this data object of you, the person, your name, where you live, where you've been, where you're going, probably enough information about your family members too. Now, machine learning is very clever. It can build up some pretty important maps of who you are as a person based on that. And once I have all that information, bang, you are really mine. And let's not forget here that the government who is promising this will be secure also set up the My Health thing. And that's been hacked 42 times in the last uh, 24 months, I believe, successfully. So again, I really want this tool to happen. 
and I want this to help protect the the those that are, are likely at risk and I want it to stop the pandemic in Australia. But let's really think about this and get it done properly and perhaps think at some measures where we don't give the government access to this data. It literally goes into a machine learning thing and we turn it off after this pandemic. We have it as a tool that we can use during these things, not just an ongoing tool that the government has access to because I next to guarantee this data will eventually get out. So now we've talked about you know, just how at risk you are and how someone would go about getting your information or using your information or using you as a pawn to get into your businesses. Unfortunately, this is going to happen. No matter how much I get up here and yell and scream saying you should do these things. And again, I can't stress the importance enough of downloading our little checklist at the end of this podcast, which will be linked and make sure you've checked off each of those steps to make sure that your staff working from home safely. But let's be realistic here. If someone really clever comes along, they are going to get into many organizations. So what do you do? It's the same steps that you have if you're in the office, but you need to think about these things now. So hopefully the majority of you are in the um, department hasn't happened before yet and you're hoping that it won't happen, but I'm telling you it will happen to some of you. So make sure you're prepared. And that is have an incident response team. If someone in your office thinks that they might have done something wrong, I should be able to go and ask that person, anyone in your organization, from the cleaner to the receptionist, right up to the CEO, anyone. I think I've done something wrong. Who should they contact? And they should be straight away and they shouldn't be afraid of it either. You need to watch those cultural things in your organization where people are shamed into doing the wrong thing. They should confidently say, hey, someone's outsmarted me here. And thanks to the training that you've provided me as an organization, I'm contacting you because I I think I stuffed up and now you can do something about it. And then incident response team can quickly have a look what data was accessed, what data was given and do something quickly. Because hackers, once they're in, will take a certain amount of time to actually get their lay of the land. You might be able to stop them before they get too far into your organization. Those are the things that you need to implement as a business right now because I don't want you having you calling me next week saying you've had a breach, all your data's locked out, no one can work, you don't know what to do, please help. Because unfortunately, some of these new software programs out there, some of these malicious software codes that are written out there, the zero-day exploits, are so good that there's nothing we can do to help you. It has to be preventative measures. And we will see more Australian businesses go bankrupt or go into administration if you don't do this properly. So let's talk about the future. There's actually going to be some positive things that come from this pandemic. I don't know if anyone's had the opportunity to drive around lately, but traffic is amazing. Driving from one spot to another has never been better in Australia. And maybe after this pandemic, we will have adapted our work from home practices so much and use future technologies to secure our staff from home, same as if they were in the office, that maybe we can actually have staff working from home a lot more than we currently do. That's going to help the environment. Look at the ozone layer at the moment. Look at all these things happening around our planet like fish returning to reefs, all these fantastic things that are happening because we're not out and about so much. We're not driving our cars. We can use this as a change for good. But to make that happen, we really have to focus on the technology. We have to make sure that technology is adapting to our needs. We have to make sure that we have the right policies and procedures in place to make sure we can use that technology safely. And we need to make sure we've had some thought into it. And security these days needs to be at the forefront of your thinking. Think to yourself, when any you put an app online, whenever you have a staff working from home, put your hacker hat on and say, oh, what information are they going to have access to? 
What applications do they have access to? Have we thought about how to secure those things? And look, at the end of the day, pay someone like us to come in and test these things. Because you might not have that skill to, to be able to look at a concrete wall with a concrete floor and, and think to yourself, how do I go under, around it, through it, over it, blast a hole through it? That's how a hacker thinks. They won't take no for an answer. So you have to have systems in place that will detect a hacker doing that, that will mitigate the damage, will limit the information they'll have access to. It's still really scary these days. You have every staff member in a business that has access to absolutely every document within a business, and it happens a lot. Those things need to be in the past. Let's use this as a good change to move into a more secure, safer future that's better for our environment um, so we can actually deploy these amazing tools that the government's talking about safely and not have all this information out there. Let's use this as a catalyst for change. It should be a really, really positive thing. So lots of stuff to think about there, but I urge you, again, I know I've harped on about this, download that list of check things you need to tick off for everyone to work safely from home. One of the things I'm really proud of is we've actually created a team of people during this pandemic that are here to help Australian businesses, that are here to help people through this pandemic. So if you're worried about your staff working from home, if you're concerned that your security is wide open, get onto our website, ctrlgroup.io, or give us a call on 1300 28 75 28. And honestly, we've got a team of really great people that are here to help you and get through this thing and make sure your business is still here in the years to come. Cyberhack is presented by me, Bastian Treptel. It's produced by Matt Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, with audio production thanks to Darcy Thompson. See you next time. Hacking is real. People and organisations are being taken down every day. If you'd like some professional advice and assistance, go online to ctrlgroup.com.au and we'll help you. Listener.